Good afternoon, Stephen Kent Mirasu, along with Beth Murray Mirasu, coming to you live on the Wine Saves Lives podcast, the Wine Saves Lives network, the Wine Saves Lives website, winesaveslives.com. We're actually in Michigan right now. We're uh, Beth and I are at Beth's Murray family reunion. There are 800 Murrays running around town, it seems. They're all amazing people. We've taken over the town. Indeed. I've been thrown into the family uh, after having a, tomorrow. That tomorrow is our one-month anniversary. So I've been. that's my wedding present is mm-hmm. being thrown in the middle of the Murray family. It's sink or swim. Uh-huh. Uh, it's um, an amazing experience. But we're actually out uh, in our little Airbnb side yard wanting to give a, a recap of the Cab Francapalooza event, events, the Cab Francapalooza weekend that we celebrated in Livermore uh, a couple of weeks ago and thought it would be interesting for you to hear some lessons that we learned, some things that, comments we got, feedback we got back from guests and other wineries that, that participated. And um, I think this this will will hopefully end up being an annual event that just keeps growing as we celebrate all things Cabernet Franc. May 2nd through 5th next year, 2024. 2024, May 2nd through the 5th. We already have dates. Yep, it's already happening. We're it's, already planning for it. We're already planning for it. I'm glad we're getting a, long, a longer runway here mm-hmm. than, than this past year. And we learned a lot about various different aspects of putting on an event like this. So that's a great segue, mm-hmm. Mirasu. Tell us, tell us what, what did you learn? What did we learn? What were what what did we expect? Maybe start there. Well, I think you know what we expected was a a one day festival, a palooza, and ten wineries from however far we could get, all celebrating Cab Franc. So that was how it started. We created a, a hospitality company, you know, you and me and Matt and Rebecca, so four of us putting this on. Believe that Cab Franc should be celebrated, and it wasn't being properly celebrated you know around the country and we said well if nobody else is going to do this we're going to do it and we're going to bring people to Livermore we really wanted to highlight Livermore and uh you know kind of make it be more known that Cab Franc is such a beautiful variety in Livermore so let's bring other Cab Franc producers here and make a big celebration of Cab Franc so that's how it started you know the the cynical among you and there probably are only one or two of you mm-hmm. would say, well, this is a great sort of business thing, maybe. And I, I think that, you know, part of, if we're being honest about this, you know, part of what has made the Livermore Valley a, a more difficult place than it ought to be to market wine has been the lack of visibility for the, for the Appalachian. It's one of the oldest wine growing areas in the country and in the, in the state has was really with the the first great wine region in California and um there are 30 active wineries there are 50 wineries that who have licenses something like that in the valley and for 20 the 27 years I've been working here really kind of specializing up until the last 10 years or so in Cabernet Sauvignon you're pushing a rock up a hill all the time the wines are really good but if you're trying to make high-end wine high-end Cabernet Sauvignon you're always going up against the, the Napa behemoth and and we decided for reasons that were related to um trying to gain more visibility trying to gain uh more visitation in the valley but i think more importantly 
aesthetically, this variety is really kind of where we are. We just love what how how far ranging, wide ranging this grape can be in terms of style, how great a food wine it is, how sensual and sexy and 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 mysterious the wine is when it's made well, and secondly, climate change is really affecting our valley in a way that prolongs the growing season. And we're already at sort of the, the very tail end or the back end of, of ripening viability with Cabernet Sauvignon, harvesting fruit in mid-November typically. Cabernet Franc ripens earlier. It's a safer grape to plant in a way because we know we can get it ripe. And so when you couple the aesthetic part of things with the viticultural part of things and the viticultural history as well as sort of the way the trend of our climate is 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 moving for our valley, Cab Franc just makes a much better choice uh, than than Cabernet Sauvignon or, or 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 something less well known. And this this first festival was meant as a way of of hopefully targeting all of those different aspirations that we have, and it. It's sometimes it's it's it, there's I'm sure there's a name for this phenomenon, but when you start concentrating on doing something that's focused, my at least my you know my history personally has been you start to see this thing everywhere. Okay, we're going to focus on Cabernet Franc, and all of a sudden I start seeing Cab Franc everywhere, more producers, all that sort of thing, more articles written, and usually it ends up being just a, a function of. Um, paying attention to something that really isn't much different than it was before you decided to focus. I don't think that's actually true in this case. I think there is a lot more production of Cabernet Franc uh, in terms of more wineries producing varietal Cab Franc. I think acreage is starting to move forward in a way, still lags Cabernet Sauvignon dramatically. Um, but uh, it was really a, an incredibly interesting thing to see how many people from outside of our area wanted to be involved in this. And I think that's a great segue to into what did we learn and how did this evolve is you know we started planning this and going okay who should we invite who should we reach out to we had a couple people that we definitely wanted involved Lang and Reed, Leah Jorgensen uh, you know and Livermore wineries too and we we kind of realized okay if we want to have 10 wineries on Sunday and we want to feature you know people from around the world we found out there's like 15 plus wineries in Livermore just making straight Cab Franc. So we went, oh my gosh, well, let's have a Livermore evening that's just features Livermore wineries so we can celebrate that. People can come see what Livermore is doing. And then on Sunday, they can taste Cab Franc from around the world. And I think that was what was really cool for us is that we started this little idea. And as word got out, more and more people came to us from around the country saying, hey, I want to be involved in this. I make Cab Franc. Have you had Cab Franc from Virginia? Have you had Cab Franc from New York? You know, we have a Cab Franc from, you know, Colorado. We want Texas. to be involved. Yeah. yeah. And so it just kind of spiraled into this really awesome thing where we had people coming to us wanting to be involved instead of us necessarily, you know, like reaching out to other people and that was a very cool thing to see the excitement and the desire to be involved from people we had never even heard of before which was great well there's a i think a thirst out there for wineries and, and the wineries that that were involved in the sunday grand tasting were small wineries for the most part you know wineries that are are as obsessed with cab franc as we are and as excited about the variety as 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 we are, and and then couple that with 350 
tickets being sold for the event um, in in for a little festival in Livermore, which was, it was really a cool thing. It was cool, and it was one of the things I continued to hear from people that day as I was running around like a maniac trying to make sure everything was going well and. You know, it ended up being a warmer day than we expected to so make sure everybody had ice and water and everything. But the cool thing and the, my, my favorite comment that I had from so many people throughout the day was it is so cool to see the excitement that this is generating. And everyone knows Cab and everybody knows Chardonnay and, you know, Pinot Noir is popular. But to have that many people in a place in the same place that are that passionate about Cab Franc, that you could just feel the, the vibe and the energy of, of people being very excited about a grape that we love and are constantly talking about anyways. And what a cool thing for people who love Cab Franc to be able to come out and be among other people that are so, so excited, just as excited, maybe even more excited than they are and to learn about it. You know, I, I had never had Cab Franc from Virginia, nor did I have any idea it was the most widely planted variety there. Um, you know, we, we again, Texas, Colorado, uh, various areas of California, which was very cool. I mean, the Santa Cruz Mountains, uh, which I haven't had often. Um, you know, we had the, the Napa Sonoma, which is always good to try because those are hard to seek out when you're in Napa. Is, is who makes a Cab Franc? And it's, it's hard to find. It exists, but it's hard to find. So to have everybody in the same place at the same time was great. It, 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 absolutely. And what's interesting about this kind of a tasting is that we're, we're, we're new. We're, Cab Franc is new enough in a way, even though it's been planted in California for well over a century. We're new, we're new enough that no region owns the grape yet like Napa owns Cabernet Sauvignon or like Paso owns Rhone varieties in, in their own way. There's no really real defined style yet for what Cab Franc ought to be. There are a number of producers who are making big Cab Francs that are, in my mind, more reminiscent of Cabernet Sauvignon than they are of Cab Franc, or at least the Loire Valley version of Cab Franc. And there are some people you know, who, who are working in regions that are more marginal in terms of, of weather, so they can't get some of the richness that California can get you know, practically all the time for the variety. So there's really neat kind of, um, uh, I think a, an opportunity to build consensus maybe over time. Well, and that, that was one of the, my favorite things about this too, is that, you know, we taste Cab Franc as often as we can. <laughs> For example, we're going to taste Cab Franc on Thursday from we Michigan. We tasted Cab who, Franc from Michigan who, yesterday. Yep. In fact. Like who knew? So we have like five different wineries we're going to on Thursday that all make Cab Franc. So we're, we're constantly tasting Cab Franc from everywhere. And we, we often just kind of lament the fact that they have so much wood or that it doesn't seem like people really understand the beauty that Cab Franc can be. And they're made in a style that we don't necessarily appreciate or necessarily agree with, to put it bluntly. Um, and that was very cool to have so many people there because we had a lot of winemakers. I think the majority of people were either winemakers or, you know, the owners of these places. And to say, hey, you know what? We love Cab Franc so much. We put this in concrete. We've discovered throughout the years that this does best this way from our, you know, um, uh, the way the, the climate is here, we found that this works best. And people with years and years of experience with working with their that grape and their you know, place and showcasing it in the best way possible. And that was very cool to see some very, very thoughtfully done Cab Francs with very little new wood, not heat fermented, you know, these just beautiful wines that we, that's kind of the, the, the important thing for us as well. And it was wonderful to, 
hear from these people, how they, how they, you know, what they've done wrong before, how they've corrected it, what they've done right, what they find is best with this grape variety in their area. Very inspiring. It, it was, it was, it was, it, it's interesting to be kind of at the, at the, at, at the vanguard of what I think will actually end up being something, not, not Cab Franc Capuza per se, but the, the, but Cab Franc as a grape, you know, the, every, wine consumers, wine press, distributor, salespeople, restaurateurs, sommeliers, everyone wants something new all the time, which I subscribe to. I like tasting new wines from everywhere all the time as well. Um, there are certain mainstays, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pinot Noir now. I think Cab Franc has the opportunity of becoming a mainstay on wine lists because you know, I think it's a better food wine. I think it's more hedonistic than Pinot Noir and certainly more hedonistic than, than uh, it's subtly hedonistic in, than, than uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, I think that there's no doubt that this grape goes so beautifully with food. And, you know, part of, part of my incredibly arrogant desire, uh, self-acknowledged arrogant desire, is that that the Stephen Kent Winery becomes one of those focal points for Cab Franc in the United States. That, you know, we are moving rapidly toward becoming not exclusively Cab Franc, but certainly mainly Cab Franc. And uh, we're looking at the Livermore Valley as being one of the great places in, in, in the country to grow it. The Santa Cruz Mountains also offer some really neat terroir for the grape too. And so, we're, we're, we're looking at this long term. I'm looking at this sort of as, as, as kind of a legacy project that the Stephen Kent Winery is Cab Franc, is Cab Franc is one of the great grapes of the world, is something that should be celebrated in restaurants and all of those things. And I think Cab Franc Capalooza as, a, as an idea and as a celebration, as a vehicle for um, helping to, to bring to, to palates everywhere. Uh, this vision of 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 wine, this vision of wine and living well, is something that I think is going to grow uh, and and hopefully become uh, uh, sort of what you know INPC, the celebration Pinot Noir celebration in Oregon, is, but only in this little town of Livermore, and it becomes kind of a focal point for the wine world for four days a year. So we're incredibly, um, I, I'm incredibly excited and and honored by all the response we've gotten to the event the first year and and really look forward to to what's in store for us you want to go through your top three things you've learned since that's what we originally started this podcast uh, for? top three things i learned there is an appetite for cab franc okay. that it's not we're not just whistling past the you know vinous varietal graveyard as it were that there is a there's an appetite for the grape that it appeals to young people as well as to experienced wine drinkers that would be one thing on my list. Um, that there is a that Livermore Valley, given it given given its viticultural makeup, it, the you know the constituents of of its grape growing terroir, can really do a great job with Cab Franc if the winemakers are serious about making something that is Cab Francy, and not something that's a, a you know a, a less a, a less big Cabernet Sauvignon. And I think the third thing is that um, that you know, from the standpoint of trying to make a brand, trying to make a festival, trying to make um, a movement, you know, it's it's all about um, it's all about 
connecting with people who feel the same way you do and, and using the kind of um, combined energy of, of not only the, the producers who are making Cab Franc, but those people who are, um, who are similar, similarly obsessed with the grape as we are, consumers. And this is uh, you know, a little bit of a polarizing variety, so the people who really love Cab Franc love it. And there are a lot of people who don't, and that's fine. Maybe we can get some of them on board down the road, but the idea of really galvanizing this, this core group of consumers who really love the grape um, is an exciting goal. What about you? I was thinking more logistically, but okay. <laughs> so tell us. Uh, I think for me, I was amazed at how difficult it was to put on an event that serves alcohol. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. we kind of thought Good that point. we knew what we were doing and we knew what we were getting into. And it was, um, we didn't incredibly <laughs> much more complex than we ever could have thought. And, and, you know, kudos to Matt and Rebecca for spending days practically working on getting, you know, licensing and doing what we needed to do. Cause we wanted to do it right. And we wanted to make sure that everybody was, you know, all of our T's were crossed and our eyes were dotted and everything. And it was, it was a extremely um, stressful couple days trying to, Get, at the very end. At the very right? end. Because, yeah. you yeah. know, it's very interesting because they say, well, you can't apply for the license until it's X number of days before the event, but then it takes so long and everybody says, well, I don't need to sign this. This person actually needs to sign it and nobody wants to sign off on it because then there's liability involved. It's just insane. It's insane. Um, so hopefully that will not always be the case someday down the road. Uh, so that was one thing. Um, <laughs> things are, are bound to happen that are... Um, unexpected can I, I mean, can I tell the story sure. we, we had you know we, we were on our second day and with four people this was a lot of work this was a lot of work with four people and and uh, if you feel like volunteering next year let us know because we, we could use some more volunteers Stephen at winesaveslives.com um, yep we can be, you, you can get a, a pass into the event for free if you volunteer beforehand so we want to make sure that people get get you know uh, um, our our rewarded for their their time and effort but um you know the the morning of the saturday event we we steven woke up and said oh my gosh i need to i need to go to a dentist immediately um so he ended up having an emergency root canal and crown and then uh as we were we finished putting together the 80 cheese boxes cheese and salami boxes we spent all morning of and then went to go set up the tables and rebecca as an amazing champ that she is fell and broke her wrist so matt had to take her to the er and we're having you know 85 people come in two hours and i'm running around like a crazy person just myself it turned out fine i think but you know things happen and and you have to be prepared <laughs> and luckily we were fairly prepared so it was it was fine but um so that that was fun too don't grind then, your teeth that's a lesson yeah that was that's yep mm -hmm. wear your mouth guards at night folks <laughs> um trying to think of one other big one it, you know it's it's it sounds cliche but in a way if you build it they will come and kind of what we talked about earlier if you you know we all talk about creating events like these and we should do this and we should do this and how come we haven't done this and you know again we just decided okay you know what we're gonna do it we're gonna, it's going to be hard work, but we're going to do it. And we were thrilled with the response to it. If you wait for someone else to do it, it doesn't get fucking done. Mm -hmm. you know. And that's kind of the lesson, I think, that one of the lessons that we learned and are learning. And, and you know, if you're doing it yourself, you have more control over things. And you can choose to include people or include concepts that you want to if you're 
you know, if you're managing the thing through and, and it, it was it, it incredibly difficult for four separate events over four days, probably end up seeing 800 people roughly in Livermore for the, for the festival. And um, it was really amazing. It was it it felt good to be everything felt good about doing the events and it felt great to be done with it as well. Um, but really excited about about version or, or number two mm-hmm. in 2024. It's going to be amazing. We have we already have ideas. We've already gotten some feedback. If you are one of those people who was at one of the events and have feedback for us, please send it because we're always looking on how can we make it better next year. And I, we definitely have some ideas already. Like get three times as much ice as you think you're going to need. That's that's <laughs> yeah. definitely one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, it's shout been, out to Wayne too. Thanks yeah, for thank, making ice runs. Thanks, thanks, Wayne. <laughs> Um, it, it's uh, exciting. It's exciting to 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 believe that you're on the, you know, you're at the you're at the start of something that could be big, and and not only big but important. Something that brings a lot of pleasure to people, and and you know, at the at again, sort of at the forefront of of planting and farming this grape well, and making a version of this grape that is the right version of this grape. It's really exciting. And just unapologetically loving it. That Absolutely. Was a, that was a big, big part of the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's probably enough for now. So. I'm thirsty. Yes, indeed. We've got some Cab Franc to drink. Thanks for tuning in. Stephen and Beth Mirasu signing off for the moment. I uh, hope you're enjoying everything. If you if you have any suggestions as to things that we can do better for Cab Franc Caboose 24 or just things you want to hear about on our podcasts, or things you want to see at a Cab Francapalooza. Uh, things you want to see at a Cab, absolutely. Please uh, send an email uh, to Stephen at winesaveslives.com or just drop us a, a note uh, uh, in the notes section of, of Substack. Drink well. Treat yourself and your loved ones well and be careful out there. And as we always say, drink delicious. See you soon. Thanks. <laughs>